Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. I think it's so neat that you're able to join us through this medium, and it means so much to me personally to hear that this has been used to encourage so many of you. It has always been the posture of Genesis to tangibly extend the love of Jesus in various ways, both locally and across the world. We support programs that assist families in need, contribute to ongoing works and building projects in Mexico. We've built a latrine and cafeteria for St. Andre's School in Haiti, as well as are advancing a food program there that we hope will help feed the children for years to come. The money collected for all these endeavors could have paid for a facility of our own many times over, but instead, we've intentionally chosen to be a mobile community since we began. We now have before us an opportunity to invest in a building of our own. We're not doing this, however, without considering the works we're committed to or even the works we feel compelled to keep doing in the future. But we're asking, if you've benefited from this podcast or from anything that Genesis has done, would you consider partnering with us by donating to this work directly at www.thegenesisstory.com and click on the Building Fund tab. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Together, let's prepare for an amazing tomorrow. Thanks, and God bless. All right, we're continuing in First Peter, and we're only going to cover one verse uh, tonight. It's going to be just verse 7 of chapter 3. But let's read through, um, starting in chapter 2, verse 13, and let's kind of read this, because we're, we're going to see that Peter uses this word likewise, or in the same manner, it might say in some translations, and the whole idea is that it, it's pointing us back to something that's he's already said. And so let's look at all that he has said so that we have kind of the context in our minds. First Peter chapter two, verse 13, it says, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to the governor as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it when you sin and be, are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, that is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, 
but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Likewise, wives be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. When they see your respectful and pure conduct, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry, or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Fun verses, right? Subject yourself to government, slaves, obey masters, wives, submit to husbands. A lot of fun here. As Peter has been talking about these things, a, a little context reminder. At, at the time he's writing this, the the church, the followers of Jesus are going through intense persecution. There is a lot of pressure on them because of their faith. And so he is not telling them to do this in some kind of vacuum or with, without understanding of the difficulty that he's asking them to step into. He understands that and still he asks them to go into this place because there is an agenda. There is something that is bigger than all these problems that he's touching on. There's something bigger than the issue with the government. There's something bigger than the, the problem with masters and slaves. There's something more important than the husband and the wife's interaction, or in this case, even the husband's conduct. There's something underneath all of this that is driving it. And he says it in the middle there. He talks about it. It's Christ. It's the example of Christ. This is how Jesus behaved. This is how Jesus suffered. This is what Jesus did. And look what it did for you. And what Jesus has done that has now been done for you is something that you can now exemplify in your life so that it is done for others as well, but now through you. And just as he entrusted himself, we're to entrust ourselves. And, and that last verse, in verse 6, where he's talking to the wives, if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. What a verse. Don't fear anything that is frightening. By definition, it's frightening. How do you not fear something that's frightening? Because you fear God, who is above everything. And you don't have to fear anything that is below him. And so there is a call through all these verses into a more powerful life, into a more full life, but it's difficult. And it's not something that we can do easily. That's why he's writing this, because he knows the struggles that are there. Last week, we touched on how 
at this time and in this culture, there were a lot more women than there were men because the culture did not respect women. If a child was born and it was a girl, many of the pagans would just get rid of the child. Some of them would sacrifice the child. Some of them would just leave the child to starve to death, be eaten by animals. It was a horrific culture, especially if you were born a girl. And so now you have a lot more men than there are women. And so the ones who were not treating the children this way were those who were part of the Jewish culture and those who were now part of the Christian culture. And so a lot of the women that were married off were believers, married to pagans. And so Paul, I mean, Peter is writing to them because he's wanting them to now take that position and to use it for Christ's sake. And we actually believe that many of the men who came to faith came to faith because of their wives at that time, that this was a powerful evangelistic tool to be a woman because there weren't many of you at that time. And so here's a position of inferiority, a position of weakness that is now an opportunity for God's strength if he can be seen in their lives. And that's what Peter is pushing them towards. And so now in verse seven, when he says, likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as a weaker vessel. Likewise, what is likewise referring to? What does he mean, husbands, likewise? What is that referring to? Well, look at what we've just read. Just like you submit to the government, trying to live at peace, and trying by your conduct of honoring everybody and honoring the emperor to prove that you are free men, but servants to God. And and so we see with that example that there is this understanding of submission, that you're using your freedom in God to exemplify that, or your freedom from God to show that you are a servant of God. With the masters and servants, your, your conduct is going to be good no matter who they are because of who you are. You're subject to them, but you live as free because you belong to Christ. But there is this changing of your behavior for the sake of the Lord. The same thing with the wives. Their conduct is to be one that exemplifies who Jesus is, that they are to be seen not just because of how they look. And again, we talked about there's nothing wrong with braiding hair, jewelry, or wearing nice things. That's fine. But the point was the attention that you're going to capture them with is going to be that character, that gentle, quiet spirit. That's what is going to win them to Christ, not the stilettos, right? It's going, I'm glad you like that. Um, That's what is being focused on. And so now when he goes to husbands and he says, likewise, it is the same thing. There has to be a, a willful 
surrender for the sake of something else. Bless you. And what he's talking about here, likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. Show honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. What do you think he means by the weaker vessel? What? (laughs) Is that like, okay, I want to do something fun here. I want to go and look at some old ads from the good old days, okay? From the good old days. Here's one. You mean a woman can open it? Oh my gosh. Weaker vessel. Doesn't mean physically weaker. Is that the point? You know, they're weaker. They can't open the ketchup, you know? So we have to make ketchup bottles just so women can open it. Okay. This one is great. Okay. Show her it's a man's world. Look at this. She's on her knees serving him breakfast in bed. With a tie. With a tie. That's right. She's in the bathrobe. He's in the tie. Or he's on a chair or something. But weaker. Does... <laughs> What's amazing is this was advertisement not too long ago. That this was accepted as, oh, yeah, look at that. Okay, let's get another one. <laughs> the chef does everything but cook. That's what wives are for. Oh, my God. Some of you ladies, are you, like, boiling right now? It's like, oh, my goodness. These were ads. These were things that were out there. This was the... The mental attitude that was prominent not long ago, okay? I mean, this is probably in the 70s. That's not that long ago. You think about that, and and you think, okay, this idea of live with your wife in an understanding way, because she's showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. Is this what's meant? She's weaker because she's not as physically strong. She's weaker because the man is above her and supposed to be served by her. Uh, she's weaker because she is not as what you know intelligent, as emotionally stable. You can go through a long line of things that I think historically have been imprinted on this gender division that's taking place. But when we look at what's been said, likewise, like the government and the citizens, the citizens are weaker like the master and the slaves. The the slaves are weaker. Why? Because they're physically not as strong, mentally not as capable? No, because of their position. Like the wife and the husband. Likewise, husbands. Honor, show respect, give this 
understanding to them because as the weaker vessel has to do with where she is and how she is subject to, she is more vulnerable. And so you need to be aware of that vulnerability and live in a way that's understanding that because who else was vulnerable? Jesus. You see, though he were God, he did not think it necessary to act like God, but humbled himself, made himself obedient even unto death, made himself lower than the angels for our sake. And so what Peter is addressing here is just like Christ humbled himself, subjected himself, entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. Since they are heirs with you of the grace of life. Now, an heir is someone who has the same inheritance that you do. So, you live with them in a way of understanding where they're at because they're in a position of being subjected to men, to the government, to masters. Some of them to masters. You live with them in an understanding way because you also are aware that they are heirs together with you. And so if they are heirs together with the grace of the grace of life, you have to live with that understanding of them. Again, think of where they are in history. Think of how women are being treated, how they are being discarded. And here is Peter saying they're heirs together with you and that you are to dwell with them live with them in an understanding way. An understanding way means to understand that they are heirs like you, but they are in a position that makes them vulnerable. And so you have to live with them, aware of that vulnerability, and know that they have the same inheritance that you do. That's pretty amazing. That's really amazing. And this is something that is far beyond just husbands and wives. You know, this, this isn't something that is meant just for husbands. This passage we read before wasn't something that's meant just for wives. It could be for those who are found in these positions. You know, the whole idea of the, the master and the servant, it, it could be applied to a lot of areas in life where you find someone over you or you find someone who's in a position of weakness. Then you have to live with them in an understanding way. As someone who is in a position that is vulnerable, 
And here he's talking to those who belong to faith. How much more should this be seen in you? Because you're the ones who are carrying this belief and this tradition further. You're the ones who are supposed to be an example that others look at and see. So when they see how you behave in society, they are drawn to you. Because even though society is oppressive, you're living in a way as if you're victorious. And even though you have a master, you're living as someone who is free because you are a servant, a slave to Christ. And even though your husband is a pagan, you're living in a way that intrigues him and brings him to want to know the God that you believe in. And all these things that you do are drawing the people outside to who it is you belong to, how much more so husbands, when they show this kind of understanding and honor to the woman and treat her like an heir instead of like property or someone that they can have served them breakfast on their knees in bathrobes. And, and it's important to see that there is a trajectory that God has launched from this passage and, and from all that Christ did, really. Allowing women to be a part of him, be disciples, that wasn't heard of at that time. Women weren't allowed to read revealing himself in the resurrection to the women. Women weren't allowed to testify in court. And here, the resurrection, the foundation of our faith was given to the women. That there were women who were elders in the end of Romans. That means they were overseeing these areas. You see, there is a trajectory that's going. And even though 30 years ago, the trajectory wasn't quite so good, it's still progressing. Thank God it's still progressing. Thank God. And who should be leading this progression? Well, it should be ones who have been given this understanding. There is no male nor female, Greek nor Jew, slave nor free, that there is this unity in Christ. There is this restoration that God is wanting to do in all of human, all of humankind. And so we should be the ones that are pushing this forward. We should be the ones that see this clearest. We should be the ones who understand this the most. And I wonder if we're doing the job we should. I don't think we are. I think there's a lot more that we can do. And it goes further when he says, you know, you are to honor the woman as the weaker vessel since they are heirs with you of the grace of life. And then he adds this, so that your prayers may not be hindered. That's kind of a big deal. That if you don't live with your wife in an understanding way, honor her because of her position, her vulnerability, 
recognizing that she has the same inheritance as you, if you don't do those things, your prayers will be hindered. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. Starting at verse 23, Jesus is speaking and he says, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. If you're going to come before God and you're going to bring an offering, you want this relationship with God. You want this connection with God. You want God to hear you. But there's something that you've got going on with someone that's wrong. Then Jesus says, take care of that before you come here. Because if you don't take care of that, it's not going to help you here. And really he's saying the same thing. Peter is saying the same thing that Jesus said here. If you're not dwelling with them, living with them in an understanding way, if you're not treating your wife with honor because she is someone who is more vulnerable than you and you don't see that she has the same position as you in God's kingdom, well then it's going to affect you and your relationship with God and your prayer life with God. Because this idea of your prayers being hindered is the idea of your communion with God, is your relationship with God that shows up in what you ask for and what you are communicating. And so it's the same thing. If you do not live with that person in an honorable way, it is going to affect you and your relationship with God. It's that way Period. Why? Because that's how God has set it in place. You know, we separate so often how we see God and God is here and we deal with God and we have this image of God that we think that we just connect to God. And then we have the God who we believe in gives us words like this and says, oh, you believe in me? That's great. But until you deal with this, this doesn't work. This connection with me only connects if you deal right with each other. It's as if Jesus is saying, you can't love God until you love each other. It's almost like I've read that somewhere. How can you love God whom you haven't seen when you don't love your brother who you can see? That sounds familiar. It sounds like something one of Jesus' followers said. It sounds like a repetition that Jesus says throughout this. Love God, love one another. And it doesn't change when it's in this dynamic of a relationship of a husband and wife. It has to be there. Because if it's not, then what's happening is you're out of line with who God is. And you see, that's really the whole point of this whole section, is this is where God is, 
And yeah, society is over here and it's down here and it's doing this and it's doing this. But this is where God dwells. And if you're going to be his disciple, if you're going to be the free person who belongs to him, if you're going to be able to be a partaker and heir with him, then this is how you live, even though the government is like this, even though your boss or your master is like this, even if your husband is like this, and even if your wife is like this, this is where you dwell. And it doesn't matter if you're in a position of authority or a position of weakness, you have to live in a position of love. Because God is love. And if you don't, it will affect that relationship and your connection with God so that you can pray for whatever you want. And God, I don't do this, and I did this, and I gave money here, and I helped this poor person and I did this in Mexico and I did this but if you don't honor the person who is close to you recognize their vulnerability not only in society but in this relationship well it's going to hinder your prayers it's going to affect you now let me ask you do you think that could work in reverse too Right? If society changes and women are up here and men are down here, will it still apply? Right? So this isn't a gender specific. And this isn't even a marital specific. He is giving it as advice because this is prominent in culture, but this advice is something that translates beyond just this. And so this isn't just, this is all you husbands have to do. No, you also have to live in this area of government, and you also might be a slave, or you might be a master, and you also have to dwell in this way. You see, all these things apply. All these things belong to us because we're followers of Jesus. And I love that he ends this here with not that it's about where you are with your wife, it's about where you are with your God. You see, how you treat her is going to be how you treat him. That sounds familiar too. Whatever you've done to the least of these, you've done to me. It sounds like something Jesus would say. And it is. And so... We want to grab hold of the truth that's being told here. And no matter where culture is, what, whatever culture is doing, this is where we live. This is how we live. This is how we love. This is how we conduct ourselves in society, in business, in relationship because who we are as followers of Jesus affects 
every area of our lives. And it shows up in how we conduct ourselves with others in our lives. No matter who they are, no matter where they are, positionally or relationally, how we treat them is what Peter cares about because that's what God cares about. And if we stop caring about them, it affects this. God, I need this. Wait a second, wait a second. There's something out of line here. And it's not like God is some man saying, nope, I'm not going to listen to you. What it's doing is it's setting our soul off course with the God who gives us life. And so what we're asking for is out of line with how we're supposed to be living. And so it it comes into this interruption. There's this static in your life that affects how you move forward. It's not like God said, nope, you've got to be a little better and then I'll listen to you. Oh, you got mad at your wife. I'm not going to listen to you. No, it has to do with this relationship. It's not just specific incidences. It's overall relationship. Because let's face it, everyone perfect all the time. Everyone good. No one ever get upset with their wife ever. No one ever get angry with their husband ever. No one ever have any problems in relationships. No, you do. But what is your mindset? What is your connection and thought towards them? Do you see them as an heir? with you, a fellow heir, that they have the same inheritance as you do? Do you see them in the same level? Or are you speaking down? Are you belittling? And those who are vulnerable, do you help them and understand their vulnerability? Now, in a relationship, there is going to be vulnerability on both sides. If the husband has serious depression issues, then the wife has to live with him in an understanding way because he's very depressed. If the wife has physical issues, she had a surgery on her hip or heart surgery or gone through cancer and chemotherapy and is very weak, to live in an understanding way means to recognize the condition and to be a help to them in that condition. You see, that weaker vessel can show up in a lot of areas, and it shows up in more than just the wives. But this is what he's talking about. He's not saying that women are weaker, women aren't you know, as emotionally stable. Oh my gosh, I know some really unstable men, okay? And I know that the only thing that is holding them together is the stability of the woman in their life. So that's, that's not what he's talking about. Again, in culture and context, he's talking about their vulnerability and position 
and you're supposed to see them different. And that should translate through all the relationships that we, we engage. But it started here, and it won many to faith because of how it affected the others around them. Let's pray. Father, I want to understand your heart through all these passages and what your spirit is speaking and, and rising up through these verses that we read. It's so hard sometimes to get past all the things that we have heard or the culture that we've been involved in that has been so chauvinistic even into just recently. Lord, how much has that influenced the church and our thoughts on passages like this? And, and may we see clearly, God, what, what is happening. May we unpack the suitcase and look at what's really being said and what's important and what you're trying to get to. May we look at the trajectory that you are shooting this arrow in and may we set our sights on that and not on anything less. And give us, Father, a spirit of humility just like we saw in Jesus. May that attitude be prevalent in every relationship we have and in every facet of life we are involved in. May the character of Christ be prominent in who we are. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.